looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my business partner and my co-host, DJ Smith. DJ, how are we doing? Great. How is everybody doing out there today? I don't know if they can respond. I don't know. I, it's, it's I'd a like to ask show. the question. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Feel, feel free to speak into your uh, speaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk to yourself a little bit. So, but I, I'm to, feeling the good vibes, Dante. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. So uh, today, though, we're going to be talking about our latest acquisition, English Village Apartments in Greenville, North Carolina. So this is uh, an offering that we just completed. So now we're able to talk about it. It was a 506B offering so we weren't publicly advertising it we've raised all the capital we've closed on the property we are undergoing our business plan so now we're going to talk a little bit about it so we can let uh, potential investors uh, or listeners know what we're doing so just to kind of set the groundwork real quick dj we're talking about a 32 unit apartment complex like we said in greenville north carolina built in 1992 so a real really solid asset. Super excited about it. We're already throwing off uh, some good numbers and the market's already telling us some great, great things. So DJ, do you have anything you want to touch on before we really dive into the deal with the business plan and what we're doing? No, just it's a a really nice looking asset. Uh, Greenville uh, is a, uh, like many of the markets, the metropolitan markets and in the Carolinas, uh, Greenville is just another growing market with a lot of great stuff going on. So uh, we continue to hit these uh, secondary and tertiary markets, uh, finding some really good deals. Uh, just really excited to tell everybody about this one. Yeah, definitely. So general partnership team on this asset, real small, you, me, John Azar from Peak 15 Capital, uh, not a large group. It's not a large deal. So we, we really didn't need that many members on it. Uh, like I said, 92 vintage, 32 units as of purchase, well, as of February, and now 100% occupied on the property. So 100% occupied usually means rents are a little low, so therefore they're able to lease the place up pretty easily. We like to hover around that 98% occupied, meaning you know we're, we're testing out the top of the market rents. Uh, two-story, uh, two-story garden style building, it's, it's Tudor. Uh, the design is a Tudor house look. Uh, pitched roofs, PVC drains, copper supply lines, great property. Um, I, I would say the, the best part about this deal is where we purchased it at. So definitely want to harp on that and talk about it. And I keep beating that drum on where we purchased at. So as anyone knows, multifamily is measured on a per unit basis. So typically we say, oh, we bought it 100 per unit. We bought it at 120 per unit. This asset, we bought at 64 a door or 64,000 per unit. They are not any comps in the area that are really below that number. Um, we're, we're, I pulled up the comp set last night. We did our kickoff call for our investors. Comps are ranging anywhere from 75 to 120,000 a door for same size, same vintage and same area property with fairly similar rents. And speaking of rents, 
They uh, two one bedrooms on this property renovated are only at five seventy five, and the two bedrooms renovated on this property are only at six seventy five. So they're well below market. We're not being too aggressive. We would like to bring those up by about sixty per unit. Add in some additional fees there, and we underwrote a two point five percent annual rent increase at stabilization. So I think that's it's very conservative, and I do think we're going to exceed that. No issues. Um, the, the cool part about this is. Right before we closed, I had a local broker email me that I knew, hey, congrats on the deal. You know, he, we told him what we were purchasing at. How would you guys like to sell it right after you close for somewhere in the 80,000s a door range? I was like, oh, we're buying at 64. We're already having people beating on our door saying they've got buyers that will buy in the $80,000 door range. That's, that's phenomenal. Uh, we also have other friends in the market that are buying at 75 a door. And our largest comp on a uh, vintage and style and rents is directly across the street. I spoke with the owner for that uh, property about an hour. It's currently under contract to sell at over a hundred thousand a door. Um, and it's one year older than us and it is directly across the street. So uh, we definitely have a, uh, a very strong acquisition cost and going in cost on this property. I mean, our price per door, our purchase price is phenomenal. Yeah, and I think what we're learning here is with some of these smaller assets uh, that are marketed by some brokers that uh, aren't some of the big national guys, uh, we can get our foot in the door, um, negotiate some pricing, and come up with really some deals. I think it's going to be more of a challenge as we get into larger assets that are marketed by some of the bigger brokers. Uh, to get those same types of deals, you have a lot more people hunting in that space. Uh, but this one, we're, we're certainly pleased. Uh, we think it's great. The unit counts, uh, like Dante said, around 32. So if we know we can buy these assets at the right price, that's a good start. We still have to execute the business plan, but it's a really good start, we think, in a great market, great area, uh, certainly at the lower end of the comp set. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, touching on brokerages and where we're sourcing these deals from. So, you know, we, we like to build relationships with smaller shop brokerages, you know, the Cushman and Wakefield, the Capstone, the Marcus and Millichap, they're typically larger, they have national relationships, and their mailer list for when they send out properties and market them is, is huge. But dealing with an, uh, a broker like this, much smaller, only three guys, really two guys on the team that work in the day in day out. Um, I'm not sure on how many properties a year they sell. I think it's around 12. So it's not a huge amount. And they specialize in these smaller properties. And so what we are able to do is build a, a substantial relationship with these individuals. I fly out, you know, we take them out to lunch, we meet with them, we show them we're serious. And then when we go to put an offer out, we make it very aggressive. And where we're dealing with a lot of smaller buyers, we can come in and say, oh, we'll do an immediate 50 or $100,000 deposit. We'll close in 60 days or 50 days or whatever it is. Our due diligence will be cut very short and we get very aggressive. And so this property, we actually uh, did have to renegotiate on the price because we, we did offer on it before we saw it to make sure that we could secure it. And then when we did go to tour the asset, DJ went in to actually look at the asset. Um, we found that there's a lot of things that were, were not represented to us uh, or the information was not given to us. DJ, do you want to touch on that? Yeah. So what I'm going to say, it wasn't really uh, a lot of things, but there were a few big things. Uh, in particular, 
what was not pointed out to us throughout the process is that the uh, uh, the parking areas were in dire need of uh, some patching, repaving. So we're just going to go ahead and repave everything uh, in the mechanicals. So each uh, individual unit uh, has its own HVAC system is fairly typical for around here. Um, a lot of those units were older. Uh, some of them uh, haven't had any work done on them for well over 10 years. So we knew that there would be during the hold period, assuming we acquire the asset, uh, a significant amount of capital that would have to be putting, uh, put into upgrading the mechanical systems. Yeah. Um, so we went back and we discussed it with a broker and our thought process was, look, we didn't have this in our CapEx budget, in our underwriting at the offer. So we were prepared to, to walk away from the deal basically. And when we pointed that out to the broker, it was the broker who actually said, hey, will you go in at this price then? Uh, so your offer, Dante, original offer 2.25 million. That's correct, yes. And uh, it was actually the broker who said, uh, would you guys stay in this deal if we did it at 2.1? So our answer to that was, we didn't want to retrade. We didn't go in with that intent, uh, but we will take a few hours. We'll underwrite it at the price that you've suggested and see if we can make it work. Uh, and the way that worked out is Dante and I made a counter offer at 2.05 million. So we actually went $50,000 below the 2.1 and the seller accepted it. Yeah, I mean, the, the seller was, you know, asking the, the broker, hey, are these guys reputable? Are they going to close? Are we going to go under contract and they're going to uh, basically go out of contract and we'll have to restart this thing? And he's like, no, these guys are really good. They bought deals. They'll close. And we did just that. We actually closed 15 days early. So we were supposed to close on April 20th and we closed on April 5th. So, uh, you know, our attorneys, our lenders, our insurance guys, our investors, we all were very well aligned on this deal and we were able to come in and, and close on this property early. And that was great. Um, some hiccups along the way with any deal, you're always going to have uh, some issues and we'll get into that in a moment. Um, but it's really about how your team can overcome those issues and keep moving forward to, you know, to uh, make things work. And we did just that. Um, and certainly what we're used to in, in anything we've done, whether it be, uh, you know, acquiring these apartments, things we've done in our past, um, challenges are always going to come. Obstacles are going to be put up. Uh, I'm confident we know how to get around them, through them, under them, over them, whatever it takes. Uh, we'll make sure that we make the right investment. And we did get to a point uh, actually on this deal and the last one where we were prepared to walk away. If it's not a good deal for our investors, uh, we will eat literally uh, or forego uh, some of the, uh, the risk, the capital we put at risk to enter into these deals. Uh, we'll walk away if it's not a good deal for our investors. We're, we're not gonna put a square peg in a round hole. Um, so if that's the price we got to pay, it's the price we got to pay. It's part of our responsibility as the sponsor and trying to acquire assets. Uh, we certainly want to make sure first and foremost, because we plan on doing multiple deals. Uh, if we put our investors into a bad deal, uh, that's not good for them. And, uh, quite frankly, uh, I, I would not feel comfortable, uh, with myself, uh, as a good steward of these assets, 
if we were to enter into a deal that was not right for our investors. So Dante and I did have the discussion. We were prepared to walk away. And so do you want to get into that that story, Dante, of how the, the curveball, I guess, that was thrown at us on this one? Uh, as far as appraisal? As far as appraisal, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, just, just the, the quick quick and easy, you know, the appraiser was not much of an appraiser, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> when they appraised this property, they used comps that were 100 miles away and 30 years older. So our property is 1992. They were using comps that were 100 miles away in 1960 vintage. Um, totally, totally not even a comparable. Um, you're probably laughing to yourself right now if you're listening to this and just heard me say that. And uh, we fought it. We used, uh, we came up with our own comp set of 15 properties that sold in the three mile radius, same vintage, roughly same unit count. Um, why those comps weren't used, we don't really know. Um, we basically used data, we used facts, and they even used improper cap rates on deals that we offered on in this market. And we gave them the financials and said, that's not the cap rate, this is the cap rate and here's why. And our lender really saw this and our lender said, you know, your guys character throughout this whole thing, um, the data you're bringing to the table, your experience, we're gonna make an exception. We will not increase the interest rate, but we will increase your loan to value with us. So therefore you guys could get the deal done. And uh, we really appreciated that. We're gonna remember that of this lender and uh, it just goes to show that if you have that experience, you have that team built together, that if it's a good deal as well, uh, members on your team or outside of your team will go the extra mile to get the deal done. And we did just that on there. So, yeah. And, you know, we really could do a whole episode on these comps. Um, so, but what we need to do is uh, peel this back. And uh, I've already reached out to the appraiser. So now that the deal is closed, we can just have a discussion with them on data and how they go about their process and what qualifies as a good comp and what doesn't. And I'm quite confident hundred miles does not. Um, but we need to find out why they didn't have good data in that market. Cause we gave them six great comps all within four miles of the property that should have all been good enough. Now, the thing I also want to point out is that our purchase price did appraise the issue had to deal with uh, what the future value would be one year from now. Still didn't make sense, still doesn't match all the market data and so on. Uh, the uh, cap rate that they used in the area that they came up with for Greenville, North Carolina was 6.25. And what Dante and I will tell everybody that's listening is if we can buy a 1990 asset that's 100% occupied with everybody paying at a 6.25 cap rate in any metropolitan area of North Carolina, uh, we're all in. I'll go sell my house right now and use the proceeds to buy 10 of those, you know? Absolutely. So it, there was some really funny stuff going on there. So uh, for any of our investors that may be listening, uh, the property did appraise at the purchase price, but this all has to do with formulas uh, that they use to determine what the property should be a year from now, uh, those cap rates and so on. And it was just, there were so many holes in the data. Uh, in fact, Dante, one of the comps that they used, uh, we had actually offered on the property, their financials did not include property taxes. So there affects the NOI greatly. <laughs> right. And, and basically artificially inflates uh, the, the cap rate. So um, 
there were just, a, a, you know, we could go on forever about this appraisal and some of the issues that it caused. But the point we're trying to make here is, again, obstacles are always thrown at us, especially through the closing process. And we navigate our way through them. Uh, we think we have a great team that helps us do that. And uh, the team we put together for this one between the lender, um, our SEC attorney, our real estate attorney, and so on, uh, we just, we get the job done. And now we got a great asset for our investment team uh, that we really look forward to, um, you know, producing some great returns for them. Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, touching on business plan, what we're doing here, and then returns, really, like DJ said, we're taking care of the parking lot. So we're going to repave the entire parking area. And this is going to do a few things. This is a going to really bring up the overall appeal of the property and how it looks but it's also going to show the residents that we really care and we're trying to upgrade the property and it's going to justify uh, rental rate increases. So we're, we're doing the parking lot. Uh, we've already completed fencing around the garbage area. Uh, so that way the garbage is a little bit more hidden, but it also looks very clean. So that was done two days after closing. Our property manager got right on that. Um, upgrading mechanicals such as HVAC, hot water tanks, we'll be taking care of that. Um, some siding repairs, some tree trimming, and then uh, interior unit upgrades. There's not many units on this property that need to be upgraded, about eight total between partial and fully renovated that we're going to undergo renovations. So nothing crazy there. And uh, th this is a five-year business plan that we have uh, underwritten for. So we're purchasing at a 4.88% cap rate. By year five, we project the cap rate we're gonna exit at is 5.88, so 100 basis points higher. Uh, which is great. We think that's very conservative. Uh, we think the cap rate will even be a little bit lower than that. But if it is at that 5.88, we have accounted for that and uh, we'll be able to project the returns that are, excuse me, capture the returns that we have projected. Um, with this property, we have also accounted for a refinance in year two. So after we you know, add all the value to the property and by doing that, increasing the income, and by doing that, increasing the value, we're going to go ahead and we, we use the bridge debt uh, loan to acquire the asset. And then in year two, we plan on uh, refinancing out with a Freddie small balance loan. So Freddie Mac small balance loan agency debt to fix that rate, um, pull out roughly 50% of the capital. So give the investors 50% of their capital back. They still uh, remain with their equity position in the deal, whatever percentage that was. It doesn't get diluted because funds have been returned to them. Now they just have funds that they can redeploy into another deal and they still keep their equity position in this deal. Uh, DJ, do you have something there? Yeah. And I, I think that uh, the other thing with that, that bridge debt is we were also careful uh, that that bridge debt doesn't expire after a, a short term. So we actually did a three-year term with two one-year extensions built in. Uh, so we have some crazy stuff going on right now uh, with interest rates. Um, so, you know, business plan calls for refinancing. We, you know, we estimate a rate. We certainly knew interest rates were going to go up. Uh, that wind is still in the air. Um, so if we have to reposition the business plan and hold uh, the property and not do the refinance, uh, it's still going to be a great deal for our investors. We always want to have multiple strategies in place for changing economic times. Uh, we felt with this asset having a, a, the potential to keep this debt in place for five years as a backup plan was a smart move in light of everything that's going on. Most definitely. And we 
so is three years plus one plus one so two year one year extensions fixed rate so we don't have to worry about that no prepayment penalty after 18 months we don't plan on touching the loan uh, with anything uh, prior to the 18 months so we don't we have no concern there so um, returns though about a 17.8 percent uh, IRR about a 17 percent average annual return that includes the sale proceeds about an eight percent average cash on cash return so that's just uh, distributions based on operations and mm-hmm. 1.88x equity multiple, call it 1.9. Keep in mind, you only have half your capital working for you uh, two years into the deal. So if you really left that 50,000 into the deal, uh, you're probably going to be more around the 2.2x multiple range, but that's not a problem because that capital we give back. Hopefully our investors will redeploy that into another deal. So it's being invested, the same amount of capital originally is being invested in two places and it's working for you in two separate places. So awesome, awesome opportunity there. Yeah, um, and part, part of the reason for the bridge debt is the, um, we are also, we did not raise the CapEx for this deal. That was actually uh, included in the loan proceeds. We'll use a draw system uh, to basically pull those funds out um, not a heavy lift, though, in terms of CapEx, you know, on a $2.05 million acquisition, we got about $200,000 of CapEx that we budgeted. Uh, it's really parking lot, a portion of the mechanicals that have not been upgraded. And then from there, interior <clears throat> renovations are going to be fairly simple. Um, it, it's really more cosmetic than anything else. 1990s build. So the, the apartments really have great layouts. Uh, it's split evenly between two bedroom and one bedroom. Open floor plans, um, just a really nice uh, layout and, and nice sizes to the units. Uh, so pretty simple renovations. We don't need to put a whole lot of money into this property. Uh, it is workforce housing. <clears throat> so this is not uh, real high-end finishes, basic finishes inside uh, want to make sure that we make it pet friendly and be able to capitalize on pet fees and such. Uh, we are implement, implementing uh, trash and pest fees also, in addition to the pet fees. Uh, and Dante, you want to talk about our strategy with regard to water, because we had discussed water metering and we decided against that. Yeah, so water metering, we decided against putting individual water meters in the property, uh, mainly because uh, expense really just didn't shake out here and you need a uh, uh, call it a motherboard somewhere in a common area that is out of the weather and there are no common areas on the interior of this property it's all exterior so what we're doing is we're actually charging what's called a convenience fee and it's a flat rate fee for a one bedroom or a two bedroom um, that includes your water sewer costs there um, so implementing fees raising rents to market rate really cleaning up this asset and maximizing its full potential here, I think we'll, we'll do a phenomenal job of that. Um, yeah. And what, what's important too is fees <clears throat> typical of what's being charged in the market. Right. These aren't just something we're, we're slapping on the property. These are, we look at all other apartments and we know that these are common. Um, location too, for this property. The, the thing I really liked about this is it's located next to a lot of retail and restaurant that is well known. So uh, we have Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Target, Best Buy, Walmart, Dick's, Hobby Lobby, Texas Roadhouse, Kohl's, Aldi's, Cracker Barrel, you name it. It's all on this corridor right off where this property is located. And that's going to do two things. One, it's going to bring people to the area because they want to be by all these 
quote unquote amenities. And two, it's also going to employ our tenant base. These are blue collar workforce housing workers, employees. They're going to be working at these establishments. And, you know, we, we look at the, uh, the household income too, where it matches up with these places and the household income is about $3,400, $3,500 per month, which is four and a half times the rent that we plan on charging. We typically want to see three and three times the rent that we're charging as total income. And in this case, it's even higher. So what that means is residents will have more than enough to pay for their rent. They'll actually have money left over, which is what we like to see. We like to see uh, tenants have reserves or if they spend that money however they want, we don't care as long as they're paying the rent, of course. Um, Population growth in Greenville since 2010 has been upwards of 13%. There are 32% more renters in Greenville than there are in the national average. So over uh, on the nation side, uh, unemployment rate. Yeah. Uh, and pa- pause there for a second. Yes. Cause that's a huge number. That 30% is huge. over the national average, like, wow. So, uh, you know, you will constantly hear, we are turning into a nation of renters. Uh, Greenville is uh, certainly a model for that. Yep, exactly. And uh, unemployment rate is sub 4% in Greenville, where the national average is 6%. And it's a very diverse job market. So that just means, you know, healthcare, educational services, food services, retail, manufacturing, it's all split up pretty strong. Nothing is 20% or more of the market. Uh, healthcare is certainly close. It's 17%. But the good news is there is they're doing a $300 million development in the health service area in Greenville. So that's a great indicator that in the next five to 10 years, they're not going anywhere. Um, but again, they're under that 20% threshold we like to see. So we, uh, we do not have a concern there with the market and the diverse jobs. Yeah, and, and typically any market that we're in uh, or that we study, and we've looked at everything up and down the East Coast, Southeast, um, you will typically see uh, your medical industry, the, the major players up there will be in that higher percentage in terms of uh, number of people employed. Uh, so the medical sector is always a big number there. Uh, but again, everything in Greenville is below 20%. Um, so that's a really encouraging thing. Yeah. And then I, I guess the last thing we'll really touch on here, because we've really highlighted a lot of key points on this deal, our average rents. So average market rents right now in a one bedroom are about 680. We're projecting to hit 635. So we're well below where that market average is. And then on the two bedrooms, the average is $800 a month. We are underwriting $735 per month on our two bedrooms. So this uh, community is split right down the middle, 16 one beds, 16 two beds. Uh, We're very confident in those rental projections. Uh, we hope we can exceed those to therefore exceed our numbers to our investors and their returns. Uh, I don't see an issue with that. And then, uh, you know, the last thing we'll touch on real quick is uh, cost segregation, depreciations, tax benefits. So with this property, we have already initiated our cost segregation study. So our investors are going to be able to take paper losses or uh, show a, a zero net loss essentially each year on the cash, cash flow from this asset. Uh, we just got back our K-1s from uh, our project we closed on in December. We're distributing those over to our investors. Uh, some investors were showing up to negative uh, 20 to negative uh, $60,000 paper loss in one year. 
which they can, you know, they will not pay taxes on their distributions. And also depending on what their real estate status is, they can use that against uh, other areas as well. I'm not going to get into that too much because I am not a financial advisor, CPA, do not uh, profess to be one at all, but there are tax benefits here that we can take advantage of to lessen our tax burden on these assets. So uh, this has been a phenomenal deal so far. We're super excited to keep it moving for ourselves, for investors, for our firm. DJ, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on with this deal before we sign off? Uh, property manager. Like we oh, can't we can't go through this whole thing. That is true. About I can't believe I forgot manager. that. Yeah. So so go ahead, Dante. You started that relationship. So yeah. So a, a property manager we got introduced to uh, fairly quickly, and we started chatting with him, and he actually helped us with due diligence. Um, he is the the mayor of Greenville. You heard that right, the mayor of Greenville. <laughs> so we've got a little in there. Um, he has been phenomenal so far. His communication has been great. Like I said, as soon as we closed, he started doing some renovations we had in our business plan. Uh, we've got our weekly meetings scheduled with him. So very excited to work with him. Um, he's got over 14 years of real estate property management. He ha- Him and his team manage over 700 units in the area, as well as on that street already. They already have a presence there. So very to have him, very happy to have him aboard our team. Yeah, so certainly some some good intel <clears throat> in terms of the asset where we're renting. He's actually managing the property right next door to us already, which is also a, a similar asset. So just really pleased again with the team that we've put together uh, with regard to attorneys, property management, the broker, uh, everything coming together, and of course, first and foremost, our, our investors who who make these deals possible. Um, so we held a, a kickoff meeting with them last night, uh, just a really good time discussing the property, some great questions from our investors. And, uh, we just think that these types of assets, again, my backstory, I started investing, uh, in apartments passively, uh, before I got involved with Dante on the active side, it's a great place to have your money right now. Um, it's, uh, you know, these are, are physical assets that you actually have an ownership stake uh, in a limited liability company. Uh, and it's, um, you know, between the tax benefits, the returns that they spin off, um, I just don't see anything slowing it down. You know, the, the fundamentals of people continuing to move uh, into these, you know, southeastern states and Texas and, and some of the others, even a few out west where people are exiting from California, uh, there are housing shortages. Um, while that's uh, not great, we can certainly leverage that uh, to our financial gain um, while taking care of people at the same time. And I think all that's important. That's how we, that's how we roll. Uh, you know, we want to make sure the tenants are treated correctly, that the team members are compensated fairly, uh, and that we deliver on the business plan. And that's really what we're all about. Most definitely. Yeah. Very well said. So very excited for this one. If anyone's looking to uh, get involved, learn about what we're doing, uh, get access to our deals, feel free to reach out directly to DJ or myself. You can visit our website, victorycapgroup.com. So that's victorycapgroup.com. Or you can reach out to DJ myself, like I said, uh, DJ at victorycapgroup, Dante at victorycapgroup. We'd love to chat with you guys. Yeah, and it's important to know too, if, if you're considering this, if you haven't invested with us before, uh, right now, our offerings are 506B offerings. 
that requires a pre-existing relationship. So we have to have a conversation before we put the offering out there. We do not publicly market these offerings. So you would need to uh, be in contact with us to, to hear about them. Um, if you have friends or family you think may be interested, we'd love to just have a conversation. Uh, and what we always tell our investors is, if you say no, it's okay. There, there's, there's no judgment from our end. We'll love you just the same. Uh, but I get excited about this. I get excited about talking to people about it. I get excited about educating people about it. And if you are not aware of what a 506B or C offering is, if you're not aware of what it's like to hold a passive position in a multifamily investment, we'd love to tell you about it. And it's, it's certainly something you should be aware of uh, in your financial portfolio. Uh, most people are limited to you know stocks and things like that. Maybe you hold a few rental properties. Uh, this is like having rental properties without having to do the work, which is the best of both worlds. Yeah, most definitely. So again, thank you everyone so much for taking the time to listen in to today's episode. And we hope to chat with everyone again soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.